0: And welcome to the Lines Up by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me is Liam. Hello, Liam. Hello, Joe. Uh, Liam, um, today we get to talk about uh, uh, something really uplifting. Um, so we don't do very
1: we Do we, Joe? Is that is that how you're, how you're a softball fan here? No, we're talking about Auschwitz, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all fucking good, man. Listen, you know, I... Uh, raised Jewish, am Jewish, uh come from a long and line of well, sort of Jewish people. Uh my 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 mother's family uh is at least half Jewish, my mother's Jewish, my dad's Jewish, so I'm Jewish. Suck on it. But uh I will say, and I've said I've made this joke before, but so I as a, as a teenager went to the Holocaust Museum. I'd been to the Holocaust Museum before, but I went for Sunday school, my Hebrew school and and then I went to birthright sorry. And uh, <laughs> I went to Yad Vashem, uh, of course. And I would really like to go there. Uh, you've seen one Holocaust, and you've seen them all. Uh, I I knew a girl who. Uh, so I've been to Auschwitz actually, but I knew a girl. Uh, my ex. Oh boy, my ex's mom's boyfriend's daughter. There we go. Uh, went on like, or was scheduled to go on like a grand tour of concentration camps. She was Jewish. And she was like, yeah, we're going to go to like uh, Auschwitz and like Buchenwald and then like now, And we're going to see like Baba Yar and all that. And I'm just like, you know, one is one is sufficient. Like, you don't need to see Treblinka. And yeah, you know, it's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. And um, that sounds like a fucking absolutely terrible vacation. Like, I would like to go because like that's I kind my- of like how
1: pu- pure free will. I that is where you're just like, all right, I'll board the concentration church camp. but let's, let's do this.
0: Yeah. So like, oh, how was your vacation? Like, I don't know if vacation is the word I would use for that. Uh, very but, sad. <laughs> yeah. What's a vacation but for being sad? Um, it's like, oh, uh, you know, I was going to go to like the beach, but instead I'm just going to tour uh, animal shelters, uh, but I'm not going to adopt anything. <laughs> like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the sad dog with three paws. Right um uh we're on uh part two of our v told uh, series out of three uh, and there's a lot going on in the world right now uh we're recording this it is september 14th in armenia so it's 13th in the u.s and there's a lot going on uh this this episode is not very uplifting
1: now, joe is joe is currently recording this with a colt 45 by his side I just in case baby
0: I haven't slept in like two days uh it's um it's been a lot but you know i the show is one of the few things that bring me like doing this show is one of the few things that bring me enjoyment in the world at the moment uh so i'm going to try to keep uh the sh- the, the show's tenor as normal as possible which it means depressing <laughs> sorry uh really really wish we were in the middle of a series that was like you know uh uh, like one of the, the the crazy funny guys, you know. Yeah, we kind of we kinda blew our load on Dude's Rock. Yeah, we we hit a dude's Dude's Rock overload, and we ended up in fucking Auschwitz somehow.
1: Like it's uh, hey, this is the exact opposite of where I want to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the suffering of my people is a thing I I generally have to unpack in therapy.
0: It's uh, it's 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 lovely inter inter uh, generational trauma stuff. It's good.
1: I fucking hate the fact that I have a non-Jewish therapist, man. I have a Jewish psychiatrist, uh, which is, uh you know, like, like I have gone. I, I, the, my psychiatrist's office does rotations every few months. So you get, you know, a newbie, someone not fresh out of med school. I don't really know how the rotation process works. I think they're like a little more than fresh out of med school. And every time they're like okay, like, who would you like your psychiatrist to be? And every time I'm like, give me the Jew. And they're like, that's kind of, and I'm like, no, 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 it's not kind of offensive if I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, it'd be offensive if I did it.
1: Yeah, I'm just like, no, no, I need to see a Jewish psychiatrist, preferably one named like Chaim Leibowitz, who's got a weirdly <laughs> contentious relationship with his mother. Give me that guy.
0: I don't see the problem. Like, I, I know it's like kind of a big thing in, in the states for like, uh, like especially in like California and Massachusetts for like Armenians to only go to Armenian doctors and only go to Armenian therapists and whatever. Like, now if I walked into my therapist, like I would like one Jew, please. Like that would be quite offensive. <laughs>
1: like, uh, there were people when my, pra- when my parents were still practicing law that would call and ask for a Jew lawyer. And they would say Jew lawyer because I grew up in Central Pennsylvania. And uh, it's funny because they're like, you got any Jew lawyers? I'm like, one does bankruptcy law, one does education law. So you are not going to have a fun time with this.
0: <laughs>
1: Good God. They can be your lawyer, but you're not going to enjoy it.
0: I think that's all lawyers, really, unless you're rich. Like, I feel like that extra money comes with like bedside manner or whatever bedside manner is called for lawyers. A personality, yeah. maybe? I don't know. Uh,
1: I think, I mean, we have... We have a lawyer on retainer on this show and uh, only one for when people threaten to sue us. <laughs> well, I love him very dearly. I, I, I gotta say, uh, he's a boisterous young man and he's a little brash around the edges.
0: He's too nice for a lawyer. I, th- I think that's like being a labor lawyer gets you, is you still get to retain some of your old self. Sure. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, if you're a disability and bankruptcy and a state lawyer at Social Security, you just turn into a maladjusted freak because you're my dad. Uh, and it, it, it's really funny because you, de- you, 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 uh, Doesn't he listen to the show? yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you develop that absolute contempt for everyone around you.
0: I feel like that's being like a, a podiatrist. Nobody goes in like, like you can't go
1: into you certain happy to be in a podiatrist office.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not happy. You're not happy. Nobody's happy. Or like, have you ever seen the whole nine yards? Where uh, they keep making jokes about dentists all killing themselves, and like the dentist they is do like that a lot. The dentist is like, "That's not true. What are you talking about?" I'm fine. They're like, "Yeah, sure, fine, whatever." Like you know, there, there's certain professions that you just have to I be. Think dentists in have a higher rate of so,
1: dentists and lawyers kill themselves all the time,
0: huh? I'll be damned. I feel like those three things are probably connected.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, they drink themselves to death or whatever. You know, it's it's tough being a lawyer or whatever. But uh I. uh I, 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 like I said, I, I do like the idea of, uh, of, of, like, I, I, I've, I've said this to a million times, and I know listeners of the show don't really know my dad, but, like, dad's generally, he's not,
0: he's dad nice,
1: like, he's the kind dude, like, he's got a good heart, he's got the biggest heart in the world, but he is incredibly abrasive, in case you're wondering where I get it from, and he uh, does this okay. thing you do, are where you can't, now. where you can't tell if he's joking, like today he was calling me and he was just like rooting on the Lindsey Graham abortion bill where he was just like bloodthirsty for the Republicans to tear themselves apart. Uh, but like, I couldn't tell if he was like, seriously, he was like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Lindsey Graham's my new hero or like just trying to be a dick. Like, He's a staunch supporter of abortion rights. I know what he believes, but I just like this idea that like, At at some point, his sense of humor around his clients sort of devolved to like a coping mechanism, where it's just like, are you making fun of the clients or are you trying to help them? He's like, it's usually both. Like, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta find your joy wherever you can, man. So let's talk about Auschwitz. Now that I've gone on for my
0: fucking chaos rune enjoyment theory, Um, now 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 that we got all our 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 yucks out of the way, let's talk about fucking Auschwitz. (laughs) I got Auschwitz. I mean, we had to soften the blow for everybody. Um,
1: Am I going to get animal facts in this one? I mean, I know what happens in this, I guess.
0: <laughs> a spoiler alert, Auschwitz. Uh, don't tell anybody how this ends. Um, somewhat uniquely, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Vitold Palicki Part 2. And Vitold had a, um, I'll say, a pretty unique um, uh, place in the world for a guy who was not a Nazi. Because he was in Auschwitz effectively when it opened and he watched it transition into a death camp. So like he, his story from here on out is quite strange. Um, you don't hear it so often. Um, and I think this is probably as close as we're going to get to, um, just charting the history of Auschwitz. Um, I don't, I don't know why I would ever make that episode or that series, quite honestly. So this is probably as close as we're going to get when we left you last time. Um, Uh, Vito Pilecki had kind of been voluntold to get locked in. Yes,
1: by his supposed friend and commander. Yeah, who was kind of a right wing ghoul. Um, Right, This was a guy who was buying into nationalist borderline Nazi rhetoric himself, right? Can't remember his name.
0: Yeah, the only thing that really separated uh, uh, him from being like a neo-Nazi collaborator is that he wanted Polish neo-Nazism not German uh, Nazism. Polish neo-Nazism, but I repeat myself.
1: Um, let's read Poland. I'm coming for you.
0: <laughs> so uh, it, the whole point was so the Polish home army could report Nazi atrocities to the world and also maybe stage a prison uprising. However, the reality is Pilecki had no idea how hard his job was going to be. And it took him a month to finally get word out of the camp, back to his handlers in the home army and tell them what, what was going on. While he had been writing to his sister-in-law in coded language, because this was back when Auschwitz prisoners could even send letters, uh, that's how early he's in this camp. Um, he was worried that if the two were even remotely connected, uh, both he and his sister would end up hanging from a rope. So he did, so he didn't really tell her anything. He knew that there couldn't really be a paper trail. Uh, you know, uh, people get searched. You have evidence. Like he knew how this spy game shit worked. And this is around the time when Auschwitz would occasionally have parolees, which sounds very weird. So, this is Auschwitz one. It's the, only, it's the only Auschwitz that exists at the time. It was for specifically political prisoners. Okay, got it. Nobody, well, I mean, I won't say nobody's locked in here for being Jewish or gay or whatever, but like those were also considered political sins as well, depending. Like the Wannsee conference hadn't happened yet. There is no final solution quite yet. Mm hmm. Like the easiest way to describe it is like the hol- it is uh, the Holocaust by bullets at this phase in the Eastern Front. Sure. So the Nazis believed that you know um, paroling people out of the prison was was fine. Uh, of course, it was done under the strict uh, promise that you will not open your fucking mouth by anything that happens in here, or you will be put back in here. Um, and after right. surviving Auschwitz, most people did not even back then. That was kind of enough to keep people quiet for the most part, at least you know, until the end of World War II. Sure. Um, so he figured the easiest way to get word out was through one of these parolees. Um, so uh, one of these parolees was Alexander who who's a former, uh, by the way, I nailed that name, uh, a former oh, yeah, Polish professor. Yeah, yeah. I should have started this off with a not a uh, an Auschwitz um, uh, warning, but like Polish names warning. I'm going to ruin them all.
1: Oh uh, no, this is wildly inappropriate. But what's long and hard that a Polish bride gets on her wedding night? Oh no, what? A new last name. <laughs> Ross taught me that joke.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you now Alexander was a former Polish military officer that found himself being thrown in Auschwitz because he was. Uh, former Polish military officer. Um, they couldn't risk giving him a letter. That's like I said. It's evidence. It's a paper trail. So instead, he, these uh, this guy was given a verbal message to memorize. So they were playing telephone. Oh no! Now he was effectively locked in a room with V told and like screamed at and and told to repeat this uh, flawlessly time after time after time until he was allowed to leave and go on parole. Uh, he carried this message all the way back to Warsaw, which is now rapidly being closed off because it was turning into a ghetto. That, that, that's, that's the time change that we're in right now. Alexander passed Vitold's entire report to Broeki, the home army leader, along with a request. Bomb the fucking camp. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Vitold's immediate uh, conclusion to Auschwitz is tell the British to bomb the fucking camp. And they didn't. Now, he said, quote, the prisoners beg the Polish government for the love of God, bombard these warehouses. Should the prisoners die in this attack, it would be a relief given the conditions. Now, just remember, this is before the Holocaust. He argued that if they weren't killed, which they probably would be, but if they weren't killed, the bombing would at least create so much chaos and destruction. A diversion, right. Escape. Literally anything was better than what was happening. Now, Roeky then copied this uh, game of weird death camp telephone into a letter. Here's here's a part of uh, the volunteer. Yeah, I wasn't wife.
1: really expecting to hear the sentence "weird death camp uh, telephone." Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of shit happening in this episode, um, and uh, there's
0: there's there's a huge part of the book, the volunteer, which I cannot recommend enough. That goes in depth. It's, it's actually kind of what that book does better than most of the other ones. Um, of like the weird international spy rings that made the home army possible, it's not super important to our story, so don't go huge into it. But they have spies and handlers everywhere. So, for instance, um, Rowecki copied this in onto a piece of paper that had to get to uh, the UK. It had to be smuggled via a Polish. No- uh, it had to be smuggled to Sweden via a noblewoman's luggage. Onto a resistance member's brother, who then hand-carried it to the fucking Pyrenees Mountains on foot into Madrid, Spain. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, this took months. It was now December when, it, when he finally got to the Polish embassy, which was still weirdly open in Spain. <laughs> uh, because you know, Spain didn't, uh, when, when the Nazis helped Spain. And then when the Nazis asked Spain for help, Franco was like, nah, <laughs> so this, this one out, champ, yeah. So like the free Polish embassy remained open. Uh, there's something like deeply funny about that to me. Um, uh, and he uh, he handed that letter off again because it had to be moved to London, where the the Polish government in exile was based out of, since the France had fallen. And there, there's a lot of stories like this. Like at one point, there's like an SOE spy who goes by the name Napoleon, who uh, attempts. Oh, I bet you love that. Uh, he's, he's an interesting guy. Um, now, Napoleon is British, which shouldn't actually, that is kind of surprising that he goes by that name. But what isn't surprising is like he's this weird eccentric guy who, because his whole goal is to smuggle himself into Poland and help with this uh, prison uprising. And instead of just like him bouncing from one bar to another, like, yeah, sure. yeah. Like, like I said, there's a lot of weird side stories to this story that don't quite fit our narrative. Now, Unfortunately for the Home Army Resistance, who thought the Polish government exile, which was then led by Prime Minister Sikorsky and the British government led by Winston Churchill, were close buddies. Uh, that was not true. They believed that, like, why would uh, the British government invite Prime Minister Sikorsky to London if they didn't uh, see eye to eye and they weren't these super close allies, right? But they fucking
1: hated one another. I mean, uh, Stalin was there, too. and they They sort of didn't. They got along I guess from what I understand but did not like each other. Although the British government also uh really did not did not like de Gaulle in the beginning either. They they were willing comp- they were completely fine with working with Vichy France. Yeah. I mean um we'll talk a little bit about the the Stalin
0: uh angle to this weird uh, allied relationship in a bit. because it was a, a goddamn burn. Stalin Angle. <laughs> but you, Churchill could not even be bothered to learn how to pronounce Prime Minister Sikorski's name. He literally, literally just called him the Polish guy, which, to be fair, is the I'm most... I'm going to that he people. actually just
1: said the slu- uh, some sort of slur.
0: I don't know a slur. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I know, I know like one slur for Poles.
1: I don't, uh, I don't yeah, know. We, I
0: think we both know it. <laughs> uh, everybody who's listening is like, oh, yeah, blank. And they said it in their head. Like, congratulations. You've got some
1: monsters. <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you're fucking terrible people. Now, Sikorsky, to his credit, is like, wow, the British are racist as fuck, Uh, which I do have to say is very astute. Uh, uh, Churchill is incredibly racist, but also how grim is it that a Polish prime minister in 1940 recognizes that you're racist? That's a good (laughs) point. Like, good God. Now, there's also a small fact that the British and even the world were already a little aware of the German concentration camp system, at least a little bit. Uh, They were not aware of the extent of it, but they were aware of its existence. The -hmm. British had published a public paper uh, about it in 1939, which is about a year before this, specifically about Buchenwald and Dachau, both of which are in Germany. And they started as, like Auschwitz said, a political prisoner camp. Mm-hmm. when Sikorsky and other members of the Polish government attempted to explain the British that what happening what was happening in Poland was different and worse, the Brits simply didn't believe them since they already knew it was so grim they could hardly comprehend it like they were trying to explain like no, things are way worse in Poland. there's something different um, right. and obviously, looking back uh you know hindsight's twenty twenty um it's it's hard to um Uh, To fully explain the complete lack, uh, they call it like lack of imagination. Uh, When people were describing what was happening in Poland was so fucking bad, everybody thought that they were overreacting. Like, so, like, that was also happening. And of course, Sikorsky's telling them this, and Church was like, well, he's only saying that because he's Polish. Now, Sikorsky and Churchill's relationship was so bad that when Pilecki's letter finally got to him around Christmas of 1940, he didn't even bring it to Churchill, knowing that the guy would dodge him for weeks at a time and skip their appointments. Um, Instead, he brought it directly to bomber command of the Royal Air Force, hoping that he would be able to spice it up, sell it, and then blow it the fuck up. This was not a great time in the history of the RAF. Uh, so Sikorsky himself was doing some politics. Like he believed that like if lob lobbed this meatball up to Bomber Command, that they would jump on it to make themselves look better.
1: This is the, these are the folks that bombed Dresden. So,
0: yeah, I get it. In a couple of years. Yeah, that has, that has yeah. not happened yet. No, no, I uh, no. You know. Bomber Command struggled just to keep anything in the air at the time. And when they did, the results were terrible due to crews that were being rushed out with very little training. Uh, now, according to the volunteer, this led to an incident where the where a bomber crew got lost and turned around in, in the night, assumed that they were over Germany and bombed their assigned target, only to discover that they had drumroll, please, bombed their own base.
1: Oh, damn it, dude!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you know, bomber command saw this letter from Pilecki, they knew strategically it was pointless. Like, uh, there's no militarily, there's nothing important to bombing Auschwitz. However, but politically is priceless. It would have been the longest bombing mission in RAF history. It's kind of like Doolittle's Raiders. Like very little damage, all propaganda. Like we can reach out and touch you now, which would have been very good for getting the government off of their ass for you know accidentally bombing yourself that one time. Uh, however, this is what you get for expecting. You know, I, I don't want to dig the British on this one. we make fun of the British a lot. Anyone, any, uh, this is what you get for expecting anyone at this point in 1940 until the current day to do the right fucking thing. Bomber, or they won't. They will not. Bomber command led by a guy named uh, like Colonel Pierce, I think it was, uh, wrote up a bombing plan uh, which he, of course, had to submit to Churchill for approval. Now, right. his plan omitted Pilecki's evidence entirely of atrocities. Instead, his plan relied entirely on how cool it would be um, to do a really long bombing run. So he he completely okay. obliterated context from it.
1: Thank you, guy.
0: Yeah, he submitted for approval and was immediately denied, um, of citing that like this
1: is strategically
0: pointless. Why would we do this?
1: Thank you, thank you. The, the suffering of my people, you know, not my people yet, I suppose, but yeah, we'll get there. So you know, I'll take it.
0: Now let me posit a possibility here, and I'm not making this out of thin air. I'm not doing any like original thesis typing here. Now, we're we're, in, we're now in 1941, This, but by the time that this bombing approval gets written up and denied, it's already past December. Uh, I believe it's mid-January. The death camp phase of the Holocaust wouldn't begin for another year in January 1942 at the Wannsee Conference. Uh, now, this phase, which the Nazis assumed would be carried out in secret. Now, of course, they knew they could not do this in complete secret. Um, uh, people were aware, especially within the greater occupied Reich... The Jews were going to camps and they were not coming back. Like that, that, that's effectively how most Germans understood what was happening. I'm not saying most Germans didn't know that thing, horrible things are happening to the Jews. Most of them didn't know about death camps because that was the point. It's the same reason why they instituted race laws um, and they, instead of you know sending the uh, SA and SS um, like street mobs after Kristallnacht to continue doing that. They they had to legalize it, they had to church it up and make it look good. The, the whole thing, and it was mostly Reinhard Heydrich that did this. He believed that people would be much more pliable and agreeable to what was happening is if you made it look legitimate. So that's why they did and then what happened to him. Yeah, exactly. Fuck them all rest and piss. The the murdering would be happening within very large groups of people, of course. Like the the amount of and the staff that required these death camps to work is astonishing. Um, and nearby mm-hmm. towns would absolutely know what was happening in these death camps right uh, you could smell it for miles you would smell it yep like uh, more than one uh, eyewitness of i believe it was near like the Auschwitz complex by the time it was built to say it would occasionally rain ash like these people knew, <laughs> These people knew about it, uh, but like the vast majority of the population did not know about the final solution um, so the goal was for the say happen- that when
1: you say that let me let me ask you a question so you say that most of the population didn't know about the Final Solution. Not all of the details,
0: of course. I don't. I don't mean they didn't know what was happening to Jews. They did. They didn't know of all of the details.
1: But that's that would be the answer to my question. Yeah, I just yeah. I, I assume your average German not living near the camps would have known that. Put, I guess maybe it would not have noticed that because they wouldn't have had Jewish neighbors by that point. They would have all been you know shoved into the ghettos.
0: Well, I mean, there's there's actually a, there's a really good topic in there that might be better saved for a whole episode but like so there is i'm not saying that the the german the german public in world war ii was absolutely guilty of what happened to the jews uh, i'm not absolving them of that
1: um thank you because i literally would have thrown my headset down and stormed off <laughs>
0: you No, know, that that is uh a, a fucking a myth uh it's it's a lot like the clean wehrmacht is the clean fucking german populace um, right? Now, uh, by by not by saying not knowing about the final solution, I mean specifically about the murdering. Um, okay. Now, I, I mean that specifically within death camps. The public absolutely knew what was happening on the Eastern Front, so right. the hol- Holocaust by bullets was pretty well known. Um, soldiers move around; they talk like right and not to mention large large groups of the german uh, public were uh, encouraged to take part in the holocaust in vi- in like a myriad of ways for example um uh, there was a government program for turning in your neighbors um like you would get a slice of their property when it was uh, auctioned off um it, like this happened and people jumped on it so fast that the Gestapo had to tell people to please stop calling the cops because they cannot handle all of the calls. Uh, and that's on top of you know the Aryanization of small businesses and, and stuff like that, where you know specifically pe- people always cite that like, well, Hitler was a monster, but he helped the economy or you know whatever. It's kind of like they say about Mussolini making the trains run on time. It's a fucking myth. The way that he made the the economy better for Germans was. Getting rid of everybody who wasn't German and selling their property and businesses to people who were. Like, it was a lot of, um, I mean, in the a, in a long term, even without World War II, Nazi Germany would have failed for these specific reasons. Their economy was in fucking shambles. And everything they did was a very short term thing to try to get people to look the other way. Because at first, it was actually quite unpopular. The Aryanization program, the boycotts of Jewish businesses, those were actually quite unpopular at first um that's why it had to escalate like there was voluntary Aryanization and then involuntary Aryanization. which voluntary was we're going to raise your taxes we're going to do this boycott we're going to make things we're going to make the environment so untenable. oh yeah it's toxic so untenable that you're going to leave and we'll help you leave that was that first wave of of uh, jewish immigrants to get the fuck out they're the lucky ones unfortunately a lot of them went to france um and like they were a little bit yeah um but then there was involuntary where it's we're gonna fucking take it from you and then you're going to you're going to be deported um and then eventually of course it goes to you're going to a camp so like the population absolutely knew anybody who fucking told you is either a a bad faith liar or b like i don't know they went to american (laughs) high school (laughs) i don't know um yeah so uh, so the key is that the, the the mass death in, in death camps is not happening in the open. It is theorized by more than a few people to include myself, that if the British bombed Auschwitz, that phase of the plan would have been delayed or abandoned altogether. Um, because they would have publicized German atrocities of Auschwitz while they were happening. Uh, of course this doesn't mean that the Holocaust would not have happened. It was already right, it would have happened in some
1: other form. Right. But we're not talking 6 million, uh, Death total, maybe. I mean, who knows? But yeah. That's, that's the most
0: charitable theory is that the Holocaust wouldn't have been so bad. And when you're talking about something like this, not so bad is all you can aim for. Now, instead, life inside the camp was getting much, much worse as Heinrich Himmler ordered a massive expansion of the facilities and the staff. As Pilecki's time in the camp came up on its first year anniversary, he was expected to... Yeah, he's already been there for a year. Uh, He expected to hear something, anything about the camps in his report being sent over uh, a a radio because somebody had smuggled a radio and that could tune to the BBC. He heard nothing. Now, as that was happening, winter, which nearly killed Pilecki with uh, pneumonia and and exposure, turned into summer, where the camp was torn through by typhus. Because uh, another huge killer in these camps is disease uh, before the Germans could even kill you.
1: it, it was about uh, creating an entire purpose, obviously. It's so hostile that humanity itself breaks down, right? The typhus is very, very,
0: very easy to, uh, to treat. Improve hygienic conditions. Li- uh, so lice don't infest everything. It's very, very easy. Um, uh, improving hygienic conditions is not hard. They simply didn't do it. It was one of the, the, the multi-layered uh, approaches to causing death. It's creating an environment where human life can simply not exist. Right, uh, whether that be starvation, exposure, thirst, or hunger, or disease. However, uh, like Nazis were not going to improve these hygienic conditions because they're Nazis. Instead, right. the SS doctors in the camp used this as a reason to start the beginning of medical experiments that would become infamous and uh, people still talk about it. Uh, w- without going into detail, these were not medical experiments And instead, were just elaborate and brutal ways to cause death. Yeah, this is just
1: sadism. This is just pure fucking sadism. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think we've talked about those a couple of times on the show. These weren't nothing was gained from these medical experiments. People, people will often say this. uh, You know, the Auschwitz medical experiments or Unit Seven Thirty One discovered something. They didn't. They didn't discover anything. Everything that they they did was out of pure sadism. None of this was science. When the key points of medical. Science and even experiments is being able to be fucking replicated under controlled experience, uh, controlled environments. And you can't fucking do that in a death camp shack. That's not how that fucking works. They're just psychos. This is just elaborate euthanasia. There is a lot of value in studying genocide denial. There is no value in debating it. Right. Uh, when you debate someone, you uh, have to... You, you give them a platform. You legitimize you, them, at least to some extent. Yeah, of course. You you give them a platform to spew what is can only be bigotry. There's no other kind of genocide now than bigotry, right? And that, and that includes Dom Chomsky. Um, like there's, uh, and by 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 debating them, you accept that their argument is in good faith, right. and it's on equal but uh, opposite standing of your own, and that's not right. how that works. That's, that's, that, that's that both sides bullshit that we always laugh about that when like every time you turn on like, American media, uh, uh, climate change denialists get the same amount of time as like, climate science people. Mm-hmm. Like It's fucking bullshit. And that's why I don't do it. Um, uh, we've done an episode on the Holocaust denial a while back. It's kind of out of date now. Um, and one of the guys involved actually ended up finding it, uh, one of the neo-Nazis, and sending me an email asking me to debate him. I did not debate him. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I would have been pretty disappointed yeah. to had. No, I'd debate him with him, a fucking baseball bat. That's about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Hi, date. <laughs> <laughs> here's where things get weird. Oh, um, here's where
1: things get weird. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm on they, board. Okay. Well, let me rephrase it. Maybe not so weird as unforeseen. Um, okay. Okay. So, so camps were ran effectively by camp functionaries. And by that, I mean prisoners. This includes a lot of the medical staff. Yep. Yeah. Now, a lot of the medical staff that helped carry out experiments were prisoners. They weren't. Yep. Some of them were Jewish. Um, and like. I, I, will, I am painfully aware. Yeah. I will save anybody's judgment uh, on them for yourselves. Uh, there's. Obviously, there's not, not a lot of volunteering happening in this situation.
1: You can, you can DM me for what I think.
0: Yeah, I think everybody knows what you think. <laughs> uh, people will do very obscene things to save their own life. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Uh, we don't know. We don't know the, what darkness lies in the heart of man, and so on and so forth. Now, the medical staff. Uh, one of the members was Vyadaslav Daring. Now, I will say, uh, Vyadaslav Daring is is not a gray zone. I truly believe he's a bit of a monster. He was a prisoner and a doctor. And a member of the Polish underground. Oh, he was, boy. He was also uh, an army buddy of Plekis and a vehement anti-Semite. Thanks, guy. Now, actually, this relationship with Daring, which was uh, uh, strictly um, a functional for, for being in a death camp or camp so far, is one of the reasons people think that uh, Vito Plecki is not righteous among the nations, which, you know what? Fair enough. Um I'm not going to argue that one too hard because Daring is a fucking monster. Uh now there is no evidence that Plucky had any idea about his full collaboration with the Nazis. Um though he was a, Daring was able to escape later punishment due to the fact that he was a prisoner. You know he's like well they made me do it. However if he, I mean, there, of course, if he didn't take part, he absolutely would have been murdered. And that's the same defense that any capo would have used. And they did. And they used it effectively. Um, and to be fair, they were certainly right. Now, it's up to all these people to decide what is worth their life and what is not. However, Daring is accused of conducting 17,000 experimental surgeries. That's too many. And euthanasias. He killed thousands of people.
1: That's too many.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I will let you be the judge there. Now, Daring also took part, somewhat uh, enthusiastically, in the T4 program. Uh, uh, for people unaware, uh, the T4 program was the Nazis' euthanasia program of what they called useless eaters. Um, that being anybody who was terminally ill, had a mental illness, physical disability.
1: Yes, disabled people basically. Linked yes.
0: slightly strange, uh, you know, and uh, and the T4 program was mostly germans but not always um and it was uh heavily heavily stilted to also be anti-semitic because shockers, right
1: yeah gotta gotta make it count yeah
0: and that's part of the that's part of the thing that some people theorize that why the holocaust could have been stopped by publicizing those things like the t4 program in germany was largely canceled when germans found out about it oh okay like it was super unpopular right um Now, by supplying the SS with a list of the camps incurably sick, they would be taken off in secret and, uh, you know, killed. Because that's how the T4 program shifted over was to camps once the public got pissed. Um, Now, Daring, to his credit, allegedly did not know about the T4 program. But when he did, he did not stop. Uh, he, He seemed to be fine with it when they weren't Polish. This is what it boils down to. Uh, And then he found out about it because the Germans would ask him like, we need a long list of people who are incurably sick. We're going to send them to a hospital camp where they can get better treatment. Um, Now, Daring being in the privileged position that he was in, heard uh, about another train being organized for more sick men to go away for treatment. And that's when he put two and two together like, nobody's come back. They're dead. Like He's like, I've, I've euthanized a ton of fucking people here. I know probably what happened. Uh, so he uh, ran and told Pilecki, tell everybody to not volunteer for medical treatment because the Nazis would literally ask for volunteers. And people would fight over getting in a spot in a train because they'd be like, what could possibly be worse than fucking Auschwitz?
1: Uh, right. Uh,
0: unfortunately, a lot of people uh, did not believe Pilecki because the Germans were describing to them, quote, it's like a spa day. None of them ever made it back. Now, by the fall of 1941, the camp's morgue at crematorium number one, which is inside the main camp, uh, Auschwitz one, which had since been turned into a sprawling complex uh, because it would eventually be able to absorb 100,000 people at once. Crematorium one had been retrofitted to become the first gas chamber. Previously, there had actually been a smaller test chamber in the woods that uh, Plecky could not see. He would simply watch people get marched out to the woods, as, as he put it, and they would never come back.
1: But he's probably fi- figuring they're just being fired at or something, and he's just not hearing it or something. He knows they're dying, but I guess doesn't know the the scale or methodology yet.
0: Right, because who, who would, right? And But he was an eyewitness to the first mass gas chamber murder. Soviet prisoners of war, thousands of them. Plecky didn't know what was happening, but he watched line after line of men be marched into the crematorium. And then at, in the middle of night, he heard ear-piercing screams of the sounds of hundreds of people dying all at once. He heard this repeatedly for hours. The next day, Darren got a note to him informing that uh, there was a systemic murder of nearly 1,000 people, and it took 20 minutes. Like, that, that's, that, that's the kind of, like, industrial-level killing they've finally gotten to. Vitold had no idea what the Holocaust was, nor would he, during his entire time in the camp, and barely he heard sure, about it before sure. he was dead. But he now knew of large-scale gassing, and his is the first report of this that the world would ever see after it was smuggled out of the camp a month later by another parolee. As the dead began to mount, he sent more and more parolees out of the camp, all of them heading directly towards the home army with more reports. And we can assume that all of them were like loyal resistance members or Pleki would have been murdered. Like, none right, right, none right, of them right. were ever turned. Unfortunately, Roweki, who was sitting inside Warsaw where it was full Warsaw ghetto status at this point. Sure. A thousand Jews died every month in the Warsaw ghetto from starvation and lack of medical care or outright murder. But, Nobody could put two and two together when it came to the gassings. When he got the report, and and Palecki didn't understand it either. Nobody could make sense of it. And honestly, who fucking could have? Who would just jump to the conclusion like they're gassing all the Jews?
1: Right, right. That sounds. I mean, that sounds crazy. It does.
0: Now, I mean, instead they believe like ah, they're testing gas for use in war. Like we have to tell the allies. All of this, despite the fact that the ongoing horrors being committed by the Nazis in the Soviet Union were very well known. The Polish underground had built uh, their own version of the German Enigma machine and passed it off to the British. Now, the Germans had no idea about this and were freely transmitting evidence of their crimes to the east, which the British were then intercepting. So the British and Roweki knew about the
1: mass murder of Jews. That is, wow, I can't believe the British government didn't do anything. Thanks for they, nothing, fuck alls. <laughs> It gets worse. Of course it does. In Leah, fact, why were you making fun of the Queen dying? I feel pretty <laughs> fucking justified.
0: Oh, yeah. If anybody's mad about that, you're listening to the wrong fucking show. Um, uh, now, in fact, the numbers being transmitted were so high that the British intelligence analysts that were reading them thought they had to be an error because like, there's just so many victims. Or the Nazis are personally transmitting incorrect in numbers, to fuck with British in- uh, intelligence. Even Churchill knew what he was hearing was different. And on August 25th, he spoke publicly about the mass murders being committed by the Nazis on BBC. However, he didn't mention that the victims were Jews. Mm, I wonder why. There's two pretty obvious reasons for this. And I'll let you be the judge because admittedly, we do not know for sure that's my academic opinion. My personal opinion is because he's anti-Semitic as fuck. Yeah,
1: uh, I'll, I'll buy that.
0: Now, one reason is that uh, if, if it got out, that there was a mass murder of Jews and gassings within the camp uh, and, and the mass murders in the Soviet Union, he would burn the Polish Home Army sources within the camp. Maybe they would just li- uh, total li- liquidation of the camp just to get rid of a spy. So they didn't let as much information out uh, in order to keep Plecki uh, safe. That's probably not true. The other is Churchill knew mentioning atrocities. Uh, it, it was a really good way to get people to care about fighting and buy into the war that had already caused just total fucking devastation. But and, and not to mention, this war was not going well for Britain at this point. However, that he was worried that 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 sympathy would fade if the British people knew that they were Jewish and they wouldn't care as much. Unfortunately, Churchill was probably right. According to his own autobiography, fuck, y'all, fuck your dead uh, queen. Uh, yeah. According to his book, uh, the book Churchill, one parliamentarian said, "Quote: Even Winston had a fault. He was too fond of the Jews." So yeah, fuck, uh, we should have nuked
1: that whole fucking island when we had the chance. That's right, Brett.
0: <laughs> the reason why I believe this excuse more than the other one about burning a source is because uh, just talking about what was happening in the East. Uh, was good enough to warn the Germans that the British had cracked the Enigma code uh, and they stopped transmitting death counts over the radio. Like They didn't just like, there must be a spy at Auschwitz. Like That's not what they jumped to. Many other people within the British government rejected the reports as well. And I think just calling them anti-Semites while true is overly uh, simplistic. And I do have to be somewhat fair here. It was a combination of things. Racism, anti-Semitism, and a total failure of imagination like we talked about. Remember the war, uh, like before the war, and uh, even hell, mostly during it, the British government, the military saw Germany as their enemy, but also as a brotherly European peer nation. Uh, You know, we've talked a bit before about how the 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 British royalty was quite fond of the Nazis.
1: You can find that picture of Queen Elizabeth as a child doing the Hitler salute. You can find the picture of the Queen meeting Hitler. I know she was a child. I don't care. Uh, I, 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 I'm not going to be too sympathetic to the British.
0: And there's, there's also, you know, a lot of people with an upper class. Uh, uh, the UK were, were quite friendly with the concepts of oh, yes. national socialism. Yep. Um, yeah, they, 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 it went. I went beyond familiarity and it, sometimes the outright sympathy to include the yeah. king.
1: Yeah. Yep. Oh, he sure did.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was fucking a German spy. <laughs> so when resistance members got word back to them that tens of thousands of Jews had just been shot at Nyar, uh, people thought it was so ridiculous that it had to be bullshit. I mean, and to be fair, this is something that still happens. When people hear about ongoing atrocities in, in modern war... Just
1: reject it, yeah.
0: They assume it can't possibly be that bad. Like we saw that in Bucha. Like people like, ah, it can't be that bad. And then like pictures come out you know like that the, the people still are like this and to be fair it's because they don't think that the world could be that brutal and and that angry like they they don't think human beings can do that kind of thing cuz they're like well i wouldn't do that well i mean statistically you probably would if if push came to shove but also like well some people would some people really are that hateful right now eventually the british and the american officials demanded that their field field offices stop forwarding materials from jewish resistance groups uh, about what was going on because quote it might inflame the public suck my fucking dick now as the allies did nothing with the information that plecky was getting it was smuggling out and you know risking his life for you know remember he is in auschwitz to do this he he, he, was this is why he's there he was finally uh, beginning to plan an uprising, seeing that the Allies were fucking useless and this is our only way forward. Now, unfortunately, this would never happen uh, for a, very, a myriad of reasons, but he figured that the, uh, the SS had a garrison of around 1,000. And with incoming Soviet POWs and uh, uh, former Polish soldiers, he could probably get the same amount of people who knew how to fight to join his cause. They might mm-hmm. not succeed, but he thought they could at least destroy large sections of the camp and render it useless or to slow them down somewhat. The resistance still had expanded to include uh, camp functionaries, like like included capos. The, mid, the not the like the, the brutally psychopathic ones. Uh, I mean, they're like at this point they're still career criminals, so mm-hmm. like they're easy to bribe.
1: Hashtag team better than nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk about the lowest bar I think we've ever talked about. Yeah, like, yep. I cannot think of a situation the history of this show is like. Well, they have the capos, <laughs> you know. Now, one of, one of the most important people that he got to turn were functionaries that worked within the camp's records office because as I'm, I'm sure people are aware most of the evidence that we have of the holocaust other than you know piles of bodies in death camps was paperwork because it was kept meticulously by nazis that paperwork was filed by prisoners so yeah, Pilecki turned that person as a, a prime opportunity to get more evidence in the form of prison records. Like they kept, they kept track of every single person that came into the camp, even when they, because there is a phase of the Holocaust where they effectively pick who's going to immediately die, uh, st- step off the train and immediately be led to the gas chamber. One thing that they did before doing that was take every single one of their pitcher and file them down. Like, they, they put everything down on paper. Like, it's absurd. It's insane. Um, no, it's the most German thing I've ever heard of in my life.
1: Yep. Not a fun loving people are the Germans.
0: Now, by March of 1942, the records had been passed on to him, which include the records of around 30,000 Polish people that have been put in a camp so far. 11,000 were still alive. This includes 2,000 Polish Jews. All of them are dead. Uh, it also included twelve thousand Soviet POWs, which now were around a hundred were left. That's that's this is before things have truly hit what people think of as when they think of Auschwitz. Like this is still happening. Um, this is how they like this is how they were learning how to be how to be better at their industrial death machine. Now, smuggling information on the camp had also become easier as members of the resistance had been uh, like uh, they had an electrical engineering student. Uh, that got thrown in the camp for being a resistance member, and he had built a radio transmitter of spare stolen parts, uh, Good for which, it, man. which was powerful enough to reach out uh, reach uh, Warsaw. Now they couldn't use it all the time, of course, but and and, and to to because it's like you know they the capos and, and that uh, um, the SS kept a pretty close watch on everybody. Um, so like in order for this to happen or for them to have enough time to work, they had to f- uh, use a distraction, and that distraction, I shit you not was an inmate walking up to SS guards and doing magic tricks with cards.
1: <laughs> Those for times, baby. <laughs> what else Sorry? do you say? Like, I-, I imagine, like... Give that man a medal. Vyadasala, I have a
0: plan. I know a sick magic card trick. <laughs> You're uh, not
1: going to like it, but I do have a plan.
0: I'm going to go up to that guy I just watched beat three people to death and t- tell him to pull a card.
1: Ah, ah, you got the seven of clubs, ah! Pay <laughs> no attention to what's going on behind me. Like,
0: somehow that requires more balls than anything that we've talked about so far. <laughs> like, I'm going to confront this concentration camp guard with like, oh, I see you have this card What's behind your magic? ear. Yeah. I, I originally wrote this as impressed him with magic card tricks. Uh, but then I kind of instead pictured that uh, like a camp uh, inmate challenging an SS guard to a, ga- uh, to a game of, like Magic the Gathering. Uh, and that's, that's, that's not that ridiculous, but it's almost as ridiculous.
1: And I play my third kismet and
0: <laughs> this is gonna
1: of, of God, Wrath of God.
0: This is good. this is going to end with someone sending in a question from Legion and asking what kind of deck a Nazi would run. And honestly we both know what that would be straight white. Oh. <laughs> mono, mono
1: white deck. <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say either that or mono blue control because Nazis don't like having fun. Although I also play mono blue control. so go. What are I already gonna say?
0: Congratulations on your cell phone, good sir. Now, it was now that Palecki and the rest of the resistance in the main camp had heard of Birkenau. uh, That being another, because Auschwitz Birkenau complex is generally the the term. Birkenau was one of many Auschwitz camps, um, and Birkenau is where the Jews went they heard from other people in Birkenau because they could sometimes talk to each other through intermediaries, et cetera, et cetera. Someone told them like, man, thousands of Jews are being packed into Birkenau. And um, from Birkenau, they would be marched in a line over to the main camp into Crematoria 1, where they would be murdered. A truck parked outside revved its engine loudly to cover the sounds of the screaming of the dying. Now... Uh, just so people understand the the massive scope of this, the camp is huge. Uh, Auschwitz-Birkenau is a small city. Um, it's hard to comprehend, really. There's Auschwitz I, which was where Pilecki was, Auschwitz II, which was Birkenau. And that's the vast majority of where the murders would occur. And then there was Auschwitz, uh, Auschwitz III, known as Monowitz, which was built for the purpose of feeding slave labor over to IG Farben. So every camp is different. Um, when you when you're thinking of Auschwitz, you're thinking Birkenau. Like that's what most people are thinking of. Birkenau is the one that is mostly in ruins today. Um, Auschwitz one, I believe, still mostly stands intact. Pilecki knew immediately that he had to get word out about this. He knew what was happening now. He didn't quite understand. Like, of course, he didn't understand the cons- concepts of a fucking genocide. But he knew this had to get out. He could, but he couldn't use a radio. It was a huge risk. And it it didn't work that well, the radio did. Uh, like I mean, it was fucking MacGyvered together in a goddamn shack in Auschwitz. How reliable could it be? Uh, They would have to get another message out. But at this point, the Germans had stopped paroling inmates uh, for obvious reasons. So one resistance man would have to break out of the camp to get word word out. And it fell on a guy named uh, Stefan Balecki uh, to do the job. Uh, Balecki and another resistance member named Vincetti uh, escaped out of a complex satellite camp because they had a lot of like smaller labor camps as well, and at this point, most of the labor is being done by non jews um, so like he was they had there under less guard and he escaped by swimming across a nearby lake. He marched uh, across uh, the countryside for the night and then several more days for dozens and dozens of miles until finally getting to Vincetti's sister 's house and Baleki ended up going to warsaw now unfortunately. You got there in June 1942. Oh, um, sorry, guy. You got to Warsaw in June 1942. Uh, now, a word of the Nazis' genocidal intent was pretty well known within the ghetto. People who are not Jewish probably wouldn't tell you what was happening because they couldn't comprehend it. But there's one thing with a uh, generationally oppressed and, and, and victimized people uh, understand is like, it's happening again.
1: There's a, there's a Chris Rock bit not to take away from the seriousness of it, but I, I, I always think about this. Um, I was talking about the days after 9-11, where he was saying, you know, at first it was, I hate all these fucking Arabs, man. And that was cool. And then it was, I hate all these fucking foreigners. Like, I'm an American. I'm an American. That was cool. And then it was, fuck all these illegal immigrants, you know. And then I started listening. Because I know black people and Jews are next. That train's never late. Oh, yeah. He,
0: he accidentally discovered the old poem.
1: Yeah, he did that, except he wasn't in the free court. So,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Fuck you, Niemöller.
0: <sighs> now, Rowecki and the Jewish labor union, which was, I know that I talked to Nate about this. Uh, the, the like, and I'm Liam, I'm sure you know, uh, the Jewish labor union was known, unfortunately, as the boond.
1: Um, <laughs> We we're not so good at naming stuff sometimes, but like naming
0: things booned within like the Jew, the Jewish community is super common. But I, like as as a as, a, as Goyim, I read that I was like, oh oh dear, <laughs> not that kind, not that. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, had, had uh, uh, they had to contact the Allies and collect much of the incoming information and spread it out. Like the Home Army and the Jewish Labor Union working very very closely. Um, this eventually got to Sikorsky who. Uh, Prime Minister. And he began making public speeches about it because he realized Churchill wasn't going to do anything. So he just went on his own speaking tour, demanding direct military response to stop what was turning into the Holocaust. This is one of those things that people call Polish resistance or the Polish Home Army, anti-Semitic. It's gross overs- oversimplification. Sist- uh, organizationally, absolutely, we're not. Um, of course, there's elements of it that were. But the, leader, the leadership of the government in exile, and specifically the resistance members on the ground, who, again, broke into Auschwitz, were certainly not. And they were attempting to stop this. We probably owe you one. Sorry, boys. <laughs> now, uh, the rest of the Allies pretty much ignored him. Uh, and this is about the time that the U.S. was taking the immigration quotas for Jews, even after they knew about it.
1: Yeah, look up the SS St. Louis. if You want to get bummed out. Yeah. Now... Back in the camp, things
0: were getting worse. Someone told Pilecki that uh, a man... Oh, things never- are getting worse in Auschwitz? Yeah, who would have thought? They kind of just get worse until they end. Uh, like the end. Like, the, the things don't get better. Like, the, 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 the liberation... Auschwitz. We, we know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, someone had warned Pilecki that a resistance cell member of his was probably a Nazi snitch. And this is where Pilecki uh, maybe does something that's pretty bad. <laughs> now, he had to get rid of this guy. Um, so he has him murdered. Uh, he does it through Vyacheslav Daring. Uh, so there is some question um, if what Polecki really did know about Daring, because mm-hmm. D- Daring uh, told Polecki to spike his food with this oil that he gave him, which would cause the man to have diarrhea. At which point, that man would have to be checked into the hospital. At that point, Daring told an excess doctor that the man was incurable. And they executed him. Jesus. I mean, the man, the man was a Nazi snitch. Um, however, how did Plecky know that was how it was going to end is my question. Did he know that hit the guy that he didn't know everything about, did he know that he was taking part in euthanasia or did he just say like, did daring to say, I'll take care of it. Plecki leaves that part out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, the, the, you, he had to do what he had to do. Not, he was yeah, a snake. Exactly. going to kill exactly. everybody in that resistance cell if he opened his exactly.
1: mouth. Pretty ugly way to
0: go about it, though. Now, if they smothered him with a pillow or something, like that would make sense and, and, and kind of absolve Plecky of knowing about the depths of what Daring was doing.
1: Right. right. My guy probably knew, from what I understand. which I know. Yeah.
0: He probably knew at least a little bit. Right. I mean, but Plecky did know that people were being murdered in the hospital, but he, I right. don't know if he knew that Daring was doing it
1: right
0: um i mean the, he totally did that what was happening in the hospital outside of, like medical experiments because they weren't like really talking about those people knew what was happening in that fucking hospital like after right. a while when someone was sick like oh you should go to the hospital they'd be like fuck no like nobody comes back right. from the hospital
1: right, um, right 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 right.
0: so like they knew that there was also a like a side death factory over there um i don't know i know i'm suspicious. Um, i am also suspicious I, i'll let you be the judge at the end of the series if he's absolved or not <laughs> i i honestly do i think i, I think there, it, it's a world of greys and when you're when you're operating a resistance cell in the middle of auschwitz
1: it, it, you, you, i will say sometimes you get a pass
0: yeah i'll, I'll let you I'll, I'll i'll let you be the judge if he gets a, if he gets an auschwitz pass um, just this once though
1: we're not doing yeah. that again
0: However, with the snitch dead, that didn't mean that the Nazis didn't know about the cell. So it was decided that they'd oh, have sure. to launch—they'd have to launch their uprising sooner than planned, in order to like we'll slow down the do Nazi. Res- yeah, you got to plan that more, in order to slow down the Nazi response. resistance infected Nazi guards with their own typhus. Uh, like they would go through their bedding and pick out their own lice, and then lice bomb SS guards as they walked by them, <laughs> just what? like you know like pocket sand from king of the hill but yeah, they yeah, do it look at their fuck face <laughs> they fucking do it with lice um, and they also had people that did the guards laundry and they would like put the lice in their pockets uh, which would spread the typhus into the guards However, as uh, Plecky was planning an uprising, two different breakouts occurred in Birkenau. One involved some fucking movie shit. Uh, Two guys stole some SS uniforms, simply walked by all the guards, got into an officer's car, and drove out of the camp. (laughs) Uh, However, unfortunately, as as I'm sure you're aware, um, breaking out of Auschwitz ends with a lot of reprisals. It's real, real bad. Um, and that was something that immediately made Pilecki pump the brakes. He's like, wait, wait, if we get out, everybody's going to fucking die. Like this, I don't know if this is worth it. This is reinforced in Stanislaw, uh, Virzbiki? Sorry. Uh, one of Rowecki's inner circle, one of the home Army's inner circle ended up in the camp. Nobody's entirely sure why, but he was not an infiltrator like Pilecki. He was not there as a volunteer. um, but Polecki assumed that he was sent to the camp to get word to him, like, hey, operations coming. We need to get the uprising uh, underway. Like, the resistance is going to send people to help from the outside. Like, he assumed, like, this is my sign. Um, instead, Stanislaw told him, nobody cares. The allies aren't coming. This pissed vetoed off, but that did not slow him down. And this is actually one of the ways that we have almost full, um, complete blueprints of the Auschwitz death complex. He's the Vito fucking stole them from the records room and smuggled them out using a string of different uh, couriers until they got to the hand, uh, into the hands of the Polish and uh, British governments. That's why we have those. Those were specifically used to uh, debunk genocide denial in a court of law in the UK. Oh, you do it now assholes. Now he did this because he's like, "What? how can these people not care? Look at this. Um, at, at the same point, the death camp had reached a capacity for 6,000 victims per day. So, uh, you know, and Told's resistance cell was rapidly beginning to die from uh, disease, murder, snitching. He had to scale back the operations as more and more people were taken out. And he was pretty sure it was only a matter of time before it was his turn. Instead of an uprising, he began to plan an escape. Uh, something that he should be good at now since all of the escapes from Auschwitz one had been done with his planning. There's been 10 people have successfully escaped from Auschwitz one. Uh, Birkenau is a completely different story, but like Auschwitz one, he had helped plan every escape. So like he knew how to do it. There's also something else driving him to escape. He had watched countless by his estimates, hundreds of thousands of Jews be led to their deaths at this point. Um, and by now, Ethnic non Jewish poles were going into the chambers as well. That meant like he's like there. There's no way I can do an uprising here. We're all just gonna die. Like we have to get the fuck out of here. Um, and then uh, non Jewish prisoners of uh, of the camp. So most of the popul- still surviving population of Auschwitz one were set to be transferred to Buchenwald to make room for more Jews. Now Buchenwald wasn't a purpose built death camp like Auschwitz, but had become one. Um, and it was still a fucking horror show, uh, and you know, p- people there was it was being worked to death generally at this point. Um, but he also knew being moved was a way um, to ruin your continuity of resistance. Like he, like he'd have to start all over again. He's like, so I just, like, I can't let that happen. I have to get the fuck out of here. He managed to get, he managed to fake it and skip the transfer by uh, or get out of it by faking an illness. Um, but virtually his entire resistance movement was transferred. Um, so there's another problem. He was almost certainly slated to die as a sick man in fucking Auschwitz. Um, but, uh, he managed to get out of the immediate death sentence of that by using his connections within the hospital to say that Plucky wasn't sick. He was just drunk, which was somehow that also didn't end in him being executed. I truly don't understand how. But after this, he was assigned to the bakery, and this would be his escape route because the bakery was outside of the fenced walls of Auschwitz. It it was outside of the main camp, and uh, every bakery shift would only be guarded by a handful of SS guys, like two or three. On what they what you know, they assumed was probably a chill job eating bread all night or whatever. Like they didn't think the bakers (laughs) were going to give them any problems. Now, finally, after two years, over two years in fucking Auschwitz. V told Pelecki and the rest of his bakery team, two men named Edik and Jan uh escaped out of the back door while telling the SS they're gonna go get some flour. As they ran off into the night, the SS shot at them but couldn't see them in the dark well enough to hit anything. They eventually changed in the civilian clothes uh that they had that they had brought, like they'd smuggled out of the camp with them and scampered off into the night. But they didn't bring any food or water with them because that would be suspicious. And they were left to simply go through the Polish countryside, knocking on doors and asking for favors. And they made their uh, way towards Warsaw, which is around 200 miles away. Shockingly, they were actually welcomed by everyone. And this is despite the fact that everyone they ran into knew exactly where they came from because of their appearance. Um, now, Auschwitz was not a fucking secret to anybody. Uh, but you know he looked like a skeleton and had, had his head shaved. Everybody fucking knew what that meant in the area. Um, but just because people offered them food and water didn't mean they trusted them. They figured that maybe they'd get them to sit in place and they'd call the Germans on them and get a reward. Mm-hmm. So instead that they would Good take assholes. Yeah. So instead they took what was offered to them immediately and then just ran off into the woods. Uh, in Understandable. They- yeah. Now, during one of those stops, that's exactly what happened. Um, and someone called the, like there's a soldier in the village. Someone called him over uh, and told him like, these guys look like they came from the camp. And they ran off into the woods as the soldiers began shooting at them, and, and Plecki got shot in the, sh- in the shoulder, but it was, seemed to be more of a glancing blow. Now, they eventually able to escape and make contact with the resistance in the next town over. Uh, and this resistance cell was uh, led by a man who pointed out that they had read Plecki's reports. Um, and they wanted to launch an attack on the camp a year ago. But the resistance leadership in Krakow did not believe Plecki's stories and thought they were so over the top that he must be like a German double agent. Fuck you, man. Specific orders were given to shoot Plecki on site as a collaborator. Thankfully, this this regional uh, um, resistance leader is like, well, that sounds stupid. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and he took him in and got him uh, like a fake identity so he could pass checkpoints uh, and helped get his uh, like paperwork together. Uh, but they also started planning an assault of over 100 fighters onto the camp. But uh, then Rowecki, head of the Warsaw resistance, was arrested by the Gestapo, and, uh, and the exile head of state, Prime Minister Sikorsky, died in a plane crash. So that kind of puts a damper on any organized home army plans. Yeah. So plans were tabled, and he returned to Warsaw in August of 1943 which is not a good time to be in fucking Warsaw. By this point, Warsaw was effectively a war zone. The resistance was in a state of open warfare against occupation forces, killing Nazi officials left and right, which led to Nazi reprisals of 100 poles on sh- a shot on sight for every act of resistance. The Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, led by the Jewish Combat Organization and Military Union, something that we will definitely be talking about at length in a different time, had been crushed by now and the ghetto had been burnt to the ground a few months before. Um, the Allies just landed in Italy in July, and Stalingrad was taken by Soviet forces in February. So the Nazis were probably starting to really feel those walls close in on them a little bit by now. However, back in Warsaw, Plucky was trying to get his, the new resistance leader, Komorowski to greenlight an attack on Auschwitz-Birkenau. When he was told that that was a suicide mission, he pointed out that he knew and he did not care. Thanks, guys. Yeah, instead of his plan being agreed to, he was sent over to uh, a unit that assassinated collaborators. Plucky ended up being quite good at this, uh, and his personal unit also freelanced to take up members of the Home Army that were anti-Semitic. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he he killed a lot of his own people uh, who were because I mean there were there were some Jewish survivors in Warsaw still. And when Pilecki got reports that those people, uh, that like members of the Home Army, were preying on these people, he would go and kill them. Um, so yeah, good guy, Pilecki. Thanks, Palecki. I couldn't find evidence um, that uh, that he ki- uh, I couldn't find evidence of how many he killed, but it's implied that it was quite a few. Um, Non-zero he also-
1: is good enough for mm-hmm. me.
0: Yeah, he also helped organize relief efforts for Jewish families for like food, water, and 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 hiding because like they. If they came out, they were going to die. Mm-hmm. The Polish resistance re- were were uh, worried about something else, though. The Red Army was currently steamrolling through their country, had broken off relations with the Polish government in exile after news broke of the K- of the Katyn massacre, where the NKVD executed an estimated twenty two thousand uh, Polish prisoners of war and political prisoners. Now. This is mostly uh, the educated class of Poles and military officers with soldiers given this... Uh, like If like enlisted men were there, some of them were given the, uh, the choice to switch sides. Um, and a lot of them end up joining the Polish People's Army, which is like the Soviet-controlled Polish proxy army. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Previous to this, the Soviets had lied to Sikorsky uh, and all of the Polish government in exile about what had happened to the POWs that died in the forest. And signed an agreement that the Polish government and the Soviets would work together to defeat the Nazis. When Polish leadership asked about releasing those soldiers, because 22,000 is a lot of fucking people. Like, hey, we could really use those soldiers and officers in the Polish Free Army. Could you free them and send them over to us? Um, Because at this point, everybody simply thought that they were in a POW camp. Stalin kind of shrugged and said they had all been released. Then changed the story like, oh, uh, I think they're in Manchuria. Okay. In 1942, some Polish rail yard workers heard rumors about a mass grave and reported to the Polish underground. But it wasn't until 1943 when the Nazis heard about it that word really yes. got out because, of course, the Nazis used it for propaganda against the Soviet Union. Well, some people, namely absolute fucking moron Grover Furr, uses this as evidence that the Nazis had committed this crime against humanity... They didn't. Uh, it just so happened that Stalin was so fucking stupid, he gave a really easy layup to the Nazis, which actually happens quite often. Um, just before the breakup of the Soviet Union, Gorbachev admitted that the NKVD had definitely done that shit. And in fact, they have done, done that in several more places as well. With this as framing, the resistance was worried that even though uh, the, the end of the Nazis was definitely in sight, they would be replaced by Soviet occupation once again. And now they knew what occupation looked like. Like the Soviet occupation was not liberation for them. Like it ends in K-10. As 1943 turned into 1944, the Polish resistance thought that they had promises from the allies, uh, the allied governments, namely the U.S. and Britain, in support of their future independence. However, in February 1944, it was announced that Churchill uh, had pretty much agreed to give all of Eastern Poland and Eastern Europe to the Soviet Union. Notably, no part of the Polish government or any kind of Polish representation was in on these meetings or decision-making. Nobody was consulted about this. This this is simply made by imperial powers of the time. Right. So only a year out of Auschwitz, and the Poles have been pretty much betrayed by everybody in the world. Vitold Pilecki joined up a cell of the resistance led by Emil Fieldorf, who was actually ethnic German um, and was uh, that's a and, weird one. Yeah, uh, there's there's quite a few ethnic Germans in Poland who fucking hated the Nazis. Uh, they, I mean, nice they also hate, yeah, they hate. I mean, they hate the Soviet Union as well. That dual occupation concept that we talked about. Sure. Um, now th- they agreed to fight anybody who invaded and occupied Poland. And together with the home army and other elements of the resistance, they began to plan the Warsaw Uprising of 1944. And that is we will pick up next time on the conclusion of uh, the story of Vito Pilecki. And ooh, it does not get better from here on out. At Thank least there's you. no Auschwitz involved.
1: It's hard to be worse than talk about Auschwitz for an hour and a half. That's true. Well, oh, that was mentally draining.
0: Yeah, uh, that was Vito Pilecki part two. And see, that that's the reason why I start this by saying this is probably the only time we're going to chart the history of, uh, of Auschwitz because there's there's only so many ways you can do it. You have to have a narrative structure. And I think doing it through Vito Pilecki is a really good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, just like there's other death camps with a lot of history, um, Treblinka, Sobibor, etc. I think the best way to see them is through a narrative structure of a resistance member because they're the ones taking... A lot of notes because that's their point, right? Right. Um, but that is V told Plecki part two. Liam, plug your ships. Feel kind of gross doing that. Uh, well, there's your problem. Ten thousand losses. Listen to them. Uh, buy my books. Um, buy his books. If you like what we do here, leave us a review. It's free. Um, it helps us a lot. I've noticed a lot more people are doing that, and it's really, really good. Thank you so much. Um, if you think that we, what we do, is worth a dollar, you can throw it to us on Patreon. Uh, you get a whole bunch of bonus stuff. Uh, you'll get this episode early um, before anybody else, or maybe you already did. Uh, we're in a weird gray zone here. Um, and again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, uh, uh, learn how to bamboozle Nazi Hang Nazis. With Nazis with in the streets. streets.
1: Hang the Nazis in the streets.